Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. We've been going through the Old Testament, seeing how Jesus and his gospel factors into every story. If you've missed any of them, search through the podcast or vlog for the studies on the books of Genesis through Ruth. As we continue God's story, which is really our story, I am changing how we go through the bulk of the rest of the Old Testament. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, the historical books get a bit confusing as the timeline isn't straight. My goal is to, as for the next studies, is to do them in historical sequence. So we'll bounce around the Old Testament, but the stories will make better sense. Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible, and we'll find him everywhere as we go along. Um, you'll also see how the Old Testament sets us up for the New Testament. And I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies along with podcast playlists on my blog. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart and eyes and mind to understand what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Isaiah chapters 5 through 7. Bitter fruit, an eager servant, and a promise of salvation. The book of Isaiah is so full of imagery that you can visualize everything that he and God are talking about. There really isn't much interpretation needed. He's another in-your-face prophet. The job of the prophet was not to be a fortune teller or a diviner of the future. No. He was to deliver God's word to the people, warning them that if they didn't stop sinning, God would pronounce and deliver judgment on them. Like we learned a few posts ago, God delivers judgment when we sin, but he provides us with an out from the punishment. In our case, his name is Jesus. Furthermore, Isaiah predicts his unique and special birth. These prophecies came true within 12 years 730 years, and there are some that are still to come. Let's dig in. Isaiah 5, a song about the Lord's vineyard. Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. But the grapes that grew were bitter. Now, you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. 
The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. Judah's guilt in judgment, verse eight. What sorrow for you who buy up a house at by, I'm sorry, let's start that over again. What sorrow for you who buy up a house after house, buy up house after house and field after field until everyone is evicted and you live alone in the land. But I have heard the Lord of heaven's armies swear a solemn oath. Many houses will stand deserted. Even beautiful mansions will be empty. 10 acres of vineyard will not produce even six gallons of wine. 10 baskets of seeds will yield only one basket of grain. Oof. What sorrow for those who get up early in the morning looking for a drink of alcohol and spend long evenings drinking wine to make themselves flaming drunk. They furnish wine and lovely music at their grand parties, lyre and, and harp, tambourine and flute, but they never think about the Lord or notice what he is doing. So my people will go into exile far away because they do not know me. Those who are great and honored will starve and the common people will die of thirst. The grave or Sheol is licking its lips in anticipation, opening its mouth wide. The great and the lowly and all the drunken mob will be swallowed up. Humanity will be destroyed and people brought down, even the arrogant will lower their eyes in humiliation. But the Lord of Evans' armies will be exalted by his justice. The holiness of God will be displayed by his righteousness. In that day, lambs will find good pastures and fattened sheep and goats will feed among the ruins. What sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of ties, who drag wickedness behind them in a cart. They even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out his plan for we want to know what it is. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. What sorrow for those who are heroes of drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. That was me in college. They take bribes to let the wicked go free and they punish the innocent. Therefore, just as fire licks up stubble and dry grass shrivels in the flame, so their roots will rot and their flowers wither. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of heaven's armies, and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That is why the Lord's anger burns against his people and why he has raised his fists to crush them. The mountains tremble and the corpses of his people litter the streets like garbage. But even then the Lord's anger is not satisfied. His fists is still poised to strike. He will send a signal to destinations far away and whistle to those at the ends of the earth. They will come racing toward Jerusalem. They will not get tired or stumble. They will not stop for rest or sleep. 
Not a belt will be loose, not a sandal strap broken. Their arrows will be sharp and their bows ready for battle. Sparks will fly from their horses' hooves and the wheels of their chariots will spin like a whirlwind. They will roar like lions, like the strongest of lions. Growling, they will pounce on their victims and carry them off. And no one will be there to rescue them. They will roar over their victims on that day of destruction like the roaring of the sea. If someone looks across the land, only darkness and distress will be seen. Even the light will be darkened by clouds. The end of Isaiah 5. So the vineyard represents Israel. It even told us that. So God plants it. Sin ruins it. God lifts its protection and brings judgment upon it. God lifts his protection. I believe that's what's happening with all the natural disasters that are increasing all over the world. Over and over again, God tells us how to live right. And over and over again, humans sin and don't learn. They don't repent. That's what happens when sin takes over the world. And that's our current society. The second part of this chapter are all the woes. In this, ver this version says, what sorrow. Other versions read, woe to those. Same thing. Verse 20 describes today's society perfectly. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Think about that for a bit. Seriously, doesn't that describe today's world? It's upside down, it's backwards going on. Isaiah 6, Isaiah's calling. It was in the year King Uzziah died, it's around 740 BC, that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, Two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among the people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Us. See that? Us. Got the Son, got the Father, got the Holy Spirit. There's your Trinity right there. And Isaiah says, I said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go and say to this people, listen carefully but do not understand, watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people, plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor ear, hear with their ears, 
nor understand what their hearts and turn to me for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? And he replied, until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland. Until the Lord has sent everyone away and the entire land of Israel lies deserted, if even a tenth of remnant survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it's cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. Isaiah 6. So let me explain that last part for a minute. So in front of my chiropractor's office, there was a Palo Verde tree. It's a local Arizona tree with a green trunk, hence the name. Palo is stick and verde is green. It was nice because it provided shade. I used to park my car right under it. One day it was gone and I asked about it and they told me it was sick and it got cut down. The other day I saw several shoots growing out of the stump. Amazing how the tree stump wasn't totally dead. It still had life in it. And uh, if you click on over to my blog and the link is in the show notes, um, there's a picture of a tree stump with shoots coming out. So it isn't totally dead, it has new growth. So later on, we'll, um, we'll see in Isaiah chapter 11, verse one, that Isaiah prophesies um, a very important verse. And it's interesting because I always, I always heard this verse and I really didn't get it until, until I was studying for this. And I'm like, aha, that's where that comes from. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his, his roots shall bear fruit. So I'm like the stump of Jesse. It really didn't hit, hit me until I saw the video that I put in yesterday's blog that showed the stump. And now I get it, the stump with the tree, with the, with the shoots coming out of it. So that branch, that shoot is Jesus. In John 15, Jesus tells us that he is the vine and we are the branches ever the fruit to bear. Okay, and I did um, a lesson on that. So click on over to my blog and, and you can sit and it says, read it here and you click on right there. Now, um, you know, again, that's so, that's so visual. So this, this whole judgment is gonna just cut everything down and just leave a stump, but it's not totally dead because there's a holy seed that's coming out of it, and that's Jesus. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is the name of David's father. So that's the lineage, you know, of King David. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Okay, so the branch and the shoot is Jesus. Jesus tells us that he's the vine, and we are the branches, ever the fruit to bear. We, his born-again believers. Now, another thing we, before we go on to the next chapter is Isaiah's willingness to serve and his humility in verse eight. Here I am, send me. When God calls you into service, will you be as willing as Isaiah? Will you be willing to step outside your comfort zone to do God's work no matter what it is? That's something else to think about. Continuing, Isaiah seven, a message for King Ahaz. Remember King Ahaz of Judah? We covered him a couple of posts ago, so if you need a refresher on his story, you can click on over to my blog and check and check it out or go back to podcasts. Um, that's in 2 Kings 16, 15 and 16, yes. 
So when, um, so here we go, uh, Isaiah 7. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, and grandson of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king, king Rezin of Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, set out to attack Jerusalem. However, they were unable to carry out their plan. The news had come to the royal court of Judah. Syria is allied with Israel against us, so the hearts of the king and his people trembled with fear, like trees shaking in a storm. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, take your son, Shir Jeshub, Jesh, Jesh, Jash, Jeshub, Shir Jeshub, and go out to meet King Ahaz. You will find him at the end of the aqueduct that feeds water into the upper pool near the road leading to the field where cloth is washed. Tell him to stop worrying. Tell him he doesn't need to fear the fierce anger of those two burnt out embers, King Resident of Syria and Pekah, son of Remaliah. Yes, the kings of Syria and Israel are plotting against him, saying, we will attack Judah and capture it for ourselves. Then we will install the son of Tabeel Judas, as Judah's king. But this is what the sovereign Lord says. This invasion will never happen. It will never take place for Syria is no stronger than its capital Damascus and Damascus is no stronger than its King Rezin. As for Israel within 65 years, it will be crushed and completely destroyed. Israel is no stronger than its capital Samaria and Samaria is no stronger than its King Pekah and Sangramalaya unless your faith is firm. I cannot make you stand firm. That's important. How firm is your faith? This, okay, now here comes the good part. The sign of Emmanuel, verse 10. Later, the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask, ask the Lord, your God, for a sign of confirmation. Ahaz, make it as difficult as you want, as high as heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Then Isaiah said, listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will, be, she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. By the time this child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong, he will be eating yogurt and honey. For before this child is that old, the lands of the two kings you fear so much will both be deserted. Then the Lord will bring things on you, your nation, and your family, unlike anything since Israel broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria upon you. In that day, the Lord will whistle for the army of, the, of southern Egypt and for the army of Assyria. They will swarm around you like flies and bees. They will come in vast horrors and settle in the fertile areas and also in the desolate valleys, caves, and thorny places. In that day, the Lord will hire a razor from beyond the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria, and use it to shave off everything, your land, your crops, and your people. In that day, a farmer will be fortunate to have a cow and two sheep or goats left. Nevertheless, there will be enough milk for everyone because so few people will be left in the land. They will eat their fill of yogurt and honey. In that day, the lush vineyards 
now worth a thousand pieces of silver will become patches of briars and thorns. The entire land will become a vast expensive expanse of briars and thorns, a hunting ground overrun by wildlife. No one will go to the fertile hillsides where the gardens once grew for briars and thorns will cover them. Cattle, sheep, and goats will graze there. So Israel sinned against God and is doomed to judgment. However, merciful God that he is has an out. Unfortunately for the people living back then, the out, the Savior, was not going to be born for another 730 some years. Verse 714 is what Gabriel quotes to Joseph in Matthew 1, announcing Jesus' birth. Okay, so if you need a reminder, that's another Christmas thing. Okay, so click on over my blog and check and check out the Matthew 1. Uh, lesson. What was so important about the virgin birth? Why did Jesus have to be born to a virgin? Well, sin passed through the human father from Adam. Had Jesus's biological father been an earthly man, he couldn't have been the spotless, sinless, sacrificial lamb who could take on all of our sins and carry them away forever. He would have died for himself for him to die for you and me, he needed to be born sinless. Also, Jesus was as human as Mary was, and at the same time, as sinless and divine as his Father God in heaven. Um, and um, if you want to read the truth about Mary, I did an article with just about the, the history of Mary from this uh, prophecy in Isaiah through the last time we see Mary in the New Testament. So um, the truth about Mary, and then you can compare it to what the Catholic Church thinks invented about Mary, which is not true. It's not in the Bible. We all have sinned against God and are doomed to judgment. The question now is, have you accepted Jesus as, you personal sa as your personal savior? If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven after you die or that you won't be left behind at the rapture. This is what you have to do. Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. There's a prayer in the show notes or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. Also at the bottom of today's blog, I have a really special video. It's an excellent video by Spoken Gospel on the book of Isaiah. The imagery is amazing. I mean, it just explains it. You get the whole thing here. So it's an overview of Isaiah. It's amazing, amazing video. I love it. So click on over to my blog and check out that video. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. 
if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24:14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.